ready for Christmas? Who's ready? I see every head, kids are all their hands are up. You're ready for it. Um, at this time, the kids can be dismissed to Children's Church. Uh, for the rest of you, will open your Bibles up with me. You'll open your Bibles to the book of Luke. This morning, we are in Luke. We're going to begin in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. If you don't have a Bible, there is a pew Bible close to you. I want to encourage you to follow along. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at two passages. I'll look at the other. But this morning, as we think Christmas is just around the corner, just three days away, and it will be Christmas. We think about all the things that go on on the holidays with meals and traveling and gifts and wrapping and all the things that take place during this season that I want to encourage you to take time this morning and then again on Christmas Eve, if you're able, to really take time just to take a deep breath and just let's soak this in. Soak in the real meaning of Christmas and the joy of Christmas. As we consider Christmas, one of the many words that we hear at this time of year are words like hope, peace, joy. It is also a season of faith. And this morning we're going to be talking about Christmas as a season of faith. And as we consider this, faith is a significant word at Christmas time. It's, it's important, obviously, in church, but we also hear in our, in our cultural ideas of Christmas. You know, there's faith in the man in a red suit that climbs down chimneys and brings presents. Faith in reindeer that fly. Uh, faith in a magic top hat that a snowman puts on and comes to life. We have all these cultural ideas about what this faith often is. But often as we recognize faith sometimes isn't even tied to an object. Sometimes it's just have faith in faith. Just believe, period. Without any connection to anything else. And we see that all around our culture. But as we slow down and we reflect on Christmas as we actually reflect on the very word, Christmas, we recognize that without Christ, all of this is pointless. And that Christ is the foundation of our faith, and Christ is what makes this a season of faith. And so this morning, we're going to look at two familiar Christmas passages. We're, exa- we're going to examine how Mary and Joseph responded to news that they were going to be the parents of a supernaturally conceived child. Is my hope this morning that as we spend time together, my hope is that you'll be persuaded to believe the promises of God, that you'll be persuaded to embrace the season of faith, and that you'll choose to live for the one whose birth we celebrate at this time of year. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful to be able to celebrate Christmas. And Lord, it is so easy for us to get caught up in all of the all of the cultural, all of the family, all the traditions of Christmas that are wonderful. Lord, so many of them are good and they're they're, they're very nice. But Lord, I pray this morning that you will help our attention be turned to even a higher good, to the reality that in, in this world that the Son of God took on flesh to come and dwell with us, that he came as Emmanuel. He came as Jesus, the one who has came come to save us from our sins. And Lord, as we look at this this morning, I pray that we will be challenged in our own faith, that we would be challenged to examine what do we believe, what what do we truly place our faith in, and how does that flesh itself out in our daily lives. And so this morning, Lord, we ask for your help. Help us to have attentive ears. Help our hearts to be open to your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Luke chapter 1, and this is on page 
855 in your pew Bible. So I'll work this morning to give you page numbers if you're new to the Bible. And if you are new to the Bible, we want to encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, one of those pew Bibles, if you will read it, take it home, uh, that would be our gift uh, to you. Well, Luke chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 26. And it begins by saying this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, if we pause here, what we recognize is we've jumped into the middle of a passage. Uh, we start in verse 26, and when it talks about the sixth month, that's talking about what's gone on before. There was a priest whose name was Zechariah and his wife named Elizabeth. Uh, they were advanced in years. Um, he was serving the Lord faithfully, but they were barren. And they had prayed and prayed for years that they would have a child to no avail. And yet God, in his wisdom, sent an angel to Zechariah while he is ministering in the temple. And as he's ministering, an angel tells him that he and his wife Elizabeth are going to have a child in their old age. He doubts it. He's like, how in the world can this happen? And because of that, he is mute for the whole pregnancy. Uh, Once the baby's born, he's able to talk again. But God is supernaturally at work in this. And so, as we begin in verse 26, so the sixth month is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And this angel that came earlier has appeared again. His name's Gabriel. And he comes to a Galilee that's in northern Israel to a city named Nazareth. Well, verse 27. He came to a virgin who was betrothed. That's a, that's a legal engagement. A, this legal engagement to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month in which she who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. As we would look at this passage and we would summarize what is happening in this passage, our summary would be this, that by faith, Mary embraces the miraculous motherhood of Jesus. That this young woman named Mary, who is living her life in northern Israel in the town of Nazareth in the region of Galilee, as she is going about her business, probably planning the wedding and excited about all that's going to be taking place and looking forward to be married to Joseph, all of her plans that she has are interrupted. They're interrupted by an angel from God telling her that she is going to be the mother of of the Messiah. And Mary, in this passage, we're told, it says when the angel came to her, it says in verse 28, the angel said, Greetings, 
O favored one. This idea of Mary is a favored one. We see this also in verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And we see in this very clearly that Mary found this favor in God's eyes. She found grace in the eyes of God. And, and Mary found this favor in God's eyes, not because Mary was sinless, not because Mary was, there was something, something unique about Mary that would be true of no one else. Mary was a, a, was a normal young girl. But a normal young girl who sought the Lord, who had a heart for God, that she, she recognized that, that she too was a sinner, which actually if we turn over to Luke chapter 2, we will understand that Mary's view of herself in verse 46, chapter 2, verse 46, this is after the angels departed. She goes and visits Elizabeth in her pregnancy. And Mary, record, this is recorded for us of Mary in verse 46. And Mary said, I'm sorry, this is chapter 1, verse 46. I'm hearing pages turned. I'm thinking, that should be that many pages being turned. Right? Chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She understands that Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Jewish people, that He is her Savior, that she needs this Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. And behold, from now all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. And we see a very humble response to Mary in this. That she in many ways is blown away by this. That as she has sought to live her life for the glory of God, as she has sought to, to uh, confess her sins, trust Him, that God has found favor. And he, she's found favor in God's eyes. And so as Mary understands this, she is told in verse 32, back to verse 32, we are told that she is going to have a son. Mary's told that she's going to have a son, and this son was going to be somebody special. Verse 32 says he's going to be great. Now, every mom thinks her kid's going to be great, right? I mean, it's your kid. They're special. They're going to be a great child. But then the angel doesn't just say your child's going to be great. He goes on to describe all of the details about what's going to make this one great. It says in verse 32, it says, He will be great that he will be called the Son of the Most High. Recognizing Mary's wheels are likely turning, Son of the Most High, the Most High God, that is, that is Yahweh. That is the God who created all things. He is the God who spoke from the burning bush to Moses. He's the one who delivered Israel out of, out of captivity through the Red Sea. He is the one who has been with this nation for, for thousands of years. He raised up Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he, he, he raised up and protected um, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all of these things that she knows in the Old Testament about this God, that she is now told that her child is going to be called the Son of the Most High God. goes on and says, And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. And we know who sits on a throne. Kings sit on a throne that this child is going to be a king. And it describes the throne of his father, David. Now, if you're reading the Bible carefully, and as you're reading a little bit longer, you're like, wait a minute, that's not, 
David's not the dad. Joseph's the dad. So when it says the throne of David, what's that about? Well, all the way back in the book of 2 Samuel, like a thousand years earlier, God had made a promise to David. And he made this promise to David that one of his offspring was going to sit on an eternal throne. And his kingdom and his rule was going to go on forever and ever and ever. But as we look after David, none of David's immediate sons was that fulfilled in. They all came, they all sinned, they all died. And their kids, and their kids, and on and on and on. And so this line of David, this promise that God made to David has not yet, had not yet been fulfilled. But finally the angel comes and says to Mary, those promises that God made to David, they're going to be fulfilled through you and the one who is child, this child that you're going to give birth to. So this son, he is going to be great. He's going to be the son of the Most High. He's going to have the throne of his father, David, verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And we would say, well, who's this Jacob guy? Well, Jacob is a guy whose name in the Old Testament was later changed to Israel. He is the father of the Jewish nation. His dad was, he has, grandpa was Abraham, was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's saying that he is going to be the ruler over this house of Jacob, over the nation of Israel. That this promised king who's going to sit on the throne of David, his, this promise goes all the way back even to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He is going to reign over that house forever. And we hear these words, forever. And, and then again we see in the next page, next passage, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This unlimited kingdom that is coming her son is going to rule over and this coming kingdom is the kingdom of god this kingdom of god that one day is going to be ushered in as god creates a new heaven and a new earth that god is going to the extent of his reign is going to be over all of creation sin's going to be gone he is going to rule righteously forever and ever over all of creation and we have these promises and mary is told all of these things and as she's listening to all this, you can't help but to think that her brain is just, and wheels are just spinning like, this is incredible. All these promises that have been made are going to be fulfilled through my son. And as she's processing this, we're not told the time frame of how this all unfolded. But I think after that, the light kind of came on in Mary's mind. It's like, wait a minute, how is this going to happen? Because in the next verse, verse 34, she said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? She's not married to Joseph yet. She's never been with a man to have a baby. How in the world is she going to have this child? And what's important that we see here is that she asked this question very humbly. It's a very similar question to what was asked before, earlier in the book of Luke, when Zechariah was told that his wife was going to have a baby. He asked, in many ways, the same question. His question was, how is this going to be? But as we think about how we ask questions, we can ask the same question with, in different ways, right? I can say this. I can say, how is that going to be? Which communicates what? Yeah, skepticism. It creates doubt. It's like, ah, there's no way. I mean, come on, really? I mean, my wife, do you know how old she is? I mean, well, she's old as me. And we've been praying for these kids for all of these years. Man, there's no way. This just does not happen. Old ladies like my wife don't have babies, right? 
And uh, the angel confronted Zechariah on that and saying, oh, yeah? Right? So Zechariah's question was filled with some doubt and skepticism. And so because of that, there was some discipline that came to him, and he wasn't going to be able to talk for nine months. Right? And yet Mary asked a very similar question. But rather than how can that be, her question was much more likely asked, well, how's that going to work? How's this going to be? And it's a, it is a question, as she asks her question, in many ways it's communicating, I believe you, but I don't understand how it's going to happen. And so the same question, the response that then that she has given, her response is not like, hey, I can't believe you doubted me, Mary. You're going to be silent for nine months like Zechariah. It's not what we see at all. We see the angel graciously responding to her. In her humility, she was a woman who was after God's heart. She was seeking the Lord. She'd found favor in God's eyes. Her character was one of very humble state. And so she asked this question very honestly. And it says in verse 35, And the angel, angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. She asked, how's this going to be? And he says, God's going to do it. God is going to do this in you in a supernatural way, Mary, in a way that, that doesn't happen, in a way that no one's ever understood. This has never happened before. And the angel goes on in verse 36, And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, there it is again, she's old, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. She's already six months pregnant, Mary. We think, too, we think there are things that are way too hard for God to do. Mary, look at this. I've, I've, I've allowed Elizabeth's womb to come back to life and to conceive of a child. And this child is it's not just something that's high-hidden. It's six months along. Go see her and check it out. And we see that Mary actually goes and visits Elizabeth, and she goes there quickly to see her. And so she goes, and look what verse 37 says, though. As the angel is describing Elizabeth, and he says what God's going to do in her, verse 37, significant verse, it says, For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing's impossible. Elizabeth having a baby, that's nothing for God. A virgin conceiving and bearing a child, that's nothing for God. This is the God who spoke and all of creation came into existence. He is the God who parts red seas. He is the, he is the God who stops the sun in the sky. He is the God who can do all things. And so these things are not too hard for him. There's nothing too hard for him. In verse 38 it says, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And so as, a, as, as Sarah, as Sarah, as Mary sees and understands what is going on, as she is told that she's going to have this child, as she asks how, that she also trusts the unexpected plan of God and the supernatural power of God. I mean, this angels visit the will of god intersecting in mary's life at this time changes everything for her wedding plans expectations i mean it's very likely that she and joseph were probably talking about okay we're going to get married and then we're going to the next step is you're going to work here and we'll probably wait a little bit have kids and this is how it's all going to unfold god steps in and says oh no i got a better plan 
I got a better plan. And, and I would ask the question, how many of us often like God's better plan up front? I mean, we have a plan for our life, and we have, this is what I'm going to do, this is what's next, this mess, got it all mapped out, and God throws in something and says, uh, no, it's not how it's going to happen. Maybe it's a job change, maybe it's an illness, maybe it's a loss of someone close to you, all kinds of things that aren't our plans, and God oftentimes says, listen, I've got a different plan, and my plan is better. And we see in this that Mary trusting this unexpected plan and the supernatural power of God. And she humbly says, let it be to me according to your word. And she trusts the word of God. And so Mary does all of this by faith. And as we seek to understand what we mean by this idea of faith, what does it mean to live by faith? A simple definition for us is this, is that faith is believing the word of God and acting on it. That what is Mary? She has heard this word from the angel, this word of God. She's heard it. She's going to act on it. Lord, let it be done to me. And she does this. And the we do this idea of faith that we believe the word of God and we act on it no matter how I feel. So oftentimes, wherever I'm confronted with a change of plan, something God calls to me, I may not like it. I don't feel right about this. I I, I, I didn't didn't expect this. And so no matter what, no matter how I feel, feel or what I fear, oftentimes what God calls us to, we're afraid. We're afraid to do the things God calls us to, whether it's in relationships, whether it's maybe taking a step of faith in terms of finances, maybe it's a night of, of, of having a conversation with somebody that's really uncomfortable, that we can be afraid to do that and so we don't. That's not what faith does. Faith believes the word of God and acts on it, no matter how I feel or what I fear, trusting God and his promise for a brighter day. That God tells us if we follow him, our days will get brighter. He is saying, Mary, you're going to be the son of the the Messiah. This one, you're going to be his mother. That's, That's incredible. It's a brighter day for her. It's going to be hard. It's going to be, I mean, can you imagine raising a perfect child? Now, all you moms who just said, well, I am right now, okay? No, you're not, okay? You just think they're perfect, all right? And kids, you think, well, I am the perfect child. No, you're not, okay? Just some corrections. But what happened? Mary did. I mean, they were going to raise a perfect child who never sinned. I mean, I can't, it's hard to imagine that. And, And yet, She believes this promise. And she steps into it and she says, okay, Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. Well, as we understand this, how this is unfolding, a question we would ask ourselves and would be very wise for ask ourselves would be like, well, what about Joseph? Right now, let's, I mean, we read the story, right? The story's back in Matthew chapter 1. And let's turn there so we're, we'll look at this in just a moment. In Matthew chapter 1, uh, this is on page 807 in your pew Bible. So Mary and Joseph are engaged. They're actually betrothed. And betrothed is a legal engagement. That for that engagement to break, it had to be a divorce. Okay, so it's, it's more than just two people saying, hey, we're going to get married. There's some, some legal things that go on with this. It's a very significant um, engagement. And so they're betrothed to be married. Okay, and um, we, I mean, imagine in our day, Mary, um, done talking to this angel, she texts, jo- texts Joseph and says, hey, i got something to tell you. 
Okay? Hey, um, I'm pregnant. But don't worry. There's no other guy involved. You're Joseph, and you're thinking, good, I trust Mary. I mean, she said, she, she, I mean, I read the text. I mean, she said that she, said an angel came and visited her. The angel, the angel said it was going to be supernatural, that the Holy Spirit was coming upon you, and um, that's how it happened. Joseph's like, sweet honey, can't wait to see you. Right? But what happens? Well, let's look in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, they're engaged. Before they came together, she was found to be with child. Oh, she's pregnant. They're engaged. They haven't come together. This isn't how things happen. And it says in our, our passage, found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Okay. So we're given the inside scoop here. Right? It's like watching a movie and you know what's happening and the people in it don't. And you're like, oh, don't do it, don't do it, or, or whatever. See, we read this and we're like, well, Joseph, this is easy. I mean, the Holy Spirit came upon her. We know the rest of the story. But what, is jo- what happens? It says in verse 19, and her husband, which is interesting, that's the significance of the betrothal. Right? They're engaged, not formally married, but called the husband. Okay? So this is a big deal. Her husband Joseph, being a just man, Joseph's a good guy, right? He's just, he's righteous, very similar character. We would, would look at Love Mary's, that, that he was eager to please God, seeking to honor God with his, with his wife and with his future wife, seeking to live above board, live according to God's truth, and he's lived that way, and they've been in their relationship together, a relationship of purity. So he is a just man, it says he's unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And we read that, and I think our response is, I get it. I mean, you can, I mean, you can imagine Mary and Joseph's conversation. Joseph, I'm telling you the truth. There's not a guy involved. I'm telling you the truth. This angel came to me. I'm, and, and, and Joseph's like, Mary, how can I believe that? Mary, I'm looking at everything you t- look at me, and there's nothing that, that the way that you're communicating this tells me you're lying to me. But Mary, this doesn't happen. And in that culture that he could have put her to shame, he could have flown off the handle being angry and telling everybody, you know, he put something on social media, my girlfriend's pregnant and I'm not the dad, great. Public shame, right? And in that culture, not only the shame of all that, but also the consequences of that culturally, of a young unwed woman being pregnant in that culture would have significant problems for her. It's more than just some social issues, some legal things, and and, and some scholars would say she could potentially be stoned because of this. But Joseph is a good guy. Likely hurt likely grieved over this, but he can't buy it. And so he determines he's going to put her away quietly. And you can just, almost if you imagine that conversation and how that ends, he says, Mary, I can't. She's walking away in tears. He's probably walking away in tears because he can't believe it. But he realizes this is the right thing to do. Well, Joseph goes home and he goes to bed. In verse 20, it says this. But as he considered these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him 
appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She is, to be a, she is to bear a son and call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. As we look at this account of Jesus' birth, we see that Mary living by faith, and as we see, God, as we see Joseph in this, as God reveals his will for Joseph through the angel, we see Joseph also living by faith. And we see Joseph in this marrying the mother of Emmanuel. Emmanuel, the one the Old Testament spoke of, a virgin conceiving, a virgin giving birth to a child, and they call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us, which is all according to the words that Mary had heard from the angel. Your child is going to be the son of God. Your child is going to be the son of the Most High God. It's according to that. And he, almost here as the angel, as, as, as Joseph is, is, is envisioning this and hearing this from God, that he's like, well, that's what Mary said. This is exactly what Mary said. Mary said that, it, that she was told that it was going to come as according to the Holy Spirit. The angel also told Mary that they were going to name the kid Jesus. That's what I've just been told. That he's going to be Emmanuel, the Son of God. And Joseph hears all of this. And, and, and Joseph then, we get the picture, he wakes up, and he wakes up, and what does he do? He wakes up, and it says that he, did, that, that he took his wife. And we see, I mean, it's this idea, Joseph, after this, he wakes up, and he's like, it's all true. And if it's in our day, he's texting her in the middle of the night. She's got her phone on because she's like, maybe something will change. It beeps. She opens it up and realizes, it's true. He believes me. And he believes her because God's word has come to him through the angel. And we understand through this vision, and we understand that both Mary and Joseph are living according to what God's word said. That God's word that has come to them, they're both deciding, we're going to live according to this. Mary's going to embrace this miraculous motherhood by faith because this is what God says. Joseph says, I'm going to take her as my wife to be the mother of Emmanuel, I'm going to marry her because that's what God calls me to do. And we see this couple living by faith. We understand early he didn't believe her story. It was an unbelievable story. There's no reason Joseph could have or maybe even should have believed it. Right? I mean, it's an unbelievable story. I was teaching this once at a group of high school girls and and I, I asked him, I said, what do you think about this? And one of the girls said, I'd be praying that that angel would go talk to my dad. <laughs> right? Because, I mean, Joseph's not the only one who's wrestling with this, right? I mean, now think about this. That, that he now, he believes this story. He believes this message from God. He believes this. And he goes, he's going to take Mary. But listen, it's still an issue of faith. Because who are the only two people that really know this is how it happened? 
Mary and Joseph. I mean, imagine them going and talking to Mary's mom and dad. Think of Joseph trying to describe that to his dad. The dad, you're not going to believe this. Tells a story, guess what? Dad's not going to believe it. Okay. I mean, why would he? How could he? And, the parent, and we think about this couple and what they are going to deal with. And as we think about living by faith, that they believe the word of God and they act on it. No matter how I feel or what I fear, there were lots of feelings that were saying, we can't do this. We, we can't do this. This, this was everybody going to think. Nobody is going to believe us, Joseph. Nobody. But in spite of their fears, in spite of their feelings, they believe God's word and they act on it. They get married in the promise of a brighter day. They know they're doing the will of God. And by them doing the will of God, that God is going to honor them and God is going to honor their child. And as we see this unfolding, the putting this all together, we begin to recognize that, that, that as this child then in verse 25, in verse 25 it actually says, he, he, he knew her not until she had given birth. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, they're married. But what's Joseph determined? I'm going to keep my distance sexually because there's something big going on here. And you think that just the, the I mean, we wouldn't have to. They, they're now married. But he determines to do that, to remain abstinent until this baby comes. And Jesus comes, and then we know that they have other children. Uh, the scriptures would teach us. And when this child then is born, in the last verse of verse 25, and it says, and he called his name Jesus. They named the son exactly what they were told to name him. What God told Mary, he's going to be named Jesus, told Joseph, you name him Jesus, they name him Jesus. And the word Jesus is an Old Testament word, it's Joshua in the Old Testament, it's Yeshua, it's Yahweh saves, God saves. That's who this Son of God is. It is God in the flesh. Emmanuel, Jesus has taken on flesh for us to live for us, to die for us, and to give us new life. He has come for us. And all of this, and we see Mary and Joseph living by faith. We see this Son who comes, and He always lives by faith. He always lives according to the Word of God, doing His Father's will and not His own will. And as we consider this Christmas message, that this is what God calls us to do. That God calls us to be a people of faith. That we are to be a people that by faith we receive the promises of God. By faith. And this message has application for all of us. This message of the season of faith that God calls us to be a people of faith who embrace the message of the gospel. Listen, this morning, this message is for those who are followers of Jesus and those who are not yet followers of Jesus. For those who are not yet followers of Jesus, this message is a call to surrender your life to Jesus. Big words, big ideas, you hear that in church, but that's it. Because this idea of believing, this idea of, of, of faith, is that we know these truths 
and we agree with them, that we know them and agree with them. We nod in agreement. And at Christmas time, people come to church oftentimes because they know these truths and they agree with them. They come to church to hear the story that they've heard many times before. But oftentimes, those who know and agree are still far from the Lord. Because a biblical faith isn't just knowing God's truth and agreeing with God's truth. Biblical faith is then surrendering your life to those truths. That we live according to it. It's not just an intellectual assent. It's not just an emotional response. It is a commitment of my whole life to follow the Savior. It is about surrender. And this morning, God saves us by faith that Jesus would desire to save you from your sin, to rescue you, to have your life surrendered to Him. And you may ask, how would I do that? The book of Romans says that for all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does that mean? That means on this Sunday before Christmas, you're understanding these truths that Jesus is the eternal God who took on flesh, that he lived a sinless life to earn a righteousness that he could then surrender at the cross as he takes on our sin. And we repent and believe when I surrender my life to Jesus, what does he do? He takes away my sin and he gives me his righteousness, his A-plus report card, and I stand before God cleansed and brand new. That's what God does for us. And this morning, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, it would be my desire that you would choose today to begin living by faith. Surrender today. But if you are a follower of Jesus, if you know these truths, you've confessed them, that you say, I've surrendered my life to Jesus, the opportunity for us is that we would live a life of faith knowing that Jesus is with us. He is Emmanuel. He is Jesus And that because He is with us, we can be who He calls us to be. We can live how He calls us to live. We can do everything He calls us to as we trust Him. But as we trust Him, we must recognize that by faith means that I believe the Word of God and I act on it. I believe it and I act on it no matter how I feel or what I fear, but I'm trusting Him and His promise for a brighter day. My question for you this morning, do you know this Savior? Have you come to Him in faith? And are you living by faith? Call for us this morning. And at Christmas time, a good time for us to reflect on that, to reflect, examine ourselves, but then to celebrate this great victory of the Messiah coming into our world to become our Savior, to cleanse us, and to make us new. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song Uh, about Emmanuel. It's called Sing Ye the Song of Emmanuel. And I encourage you as we sing this, that it would be a song of celebration for all that God has done for us. God with us, who he is, what he's done, and that we would choose to live by faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you as we look this morning at this call of Mary and Joseph to live by faith. And Lord, as they enter into this very difficult season of, Lord, embrace promises, believing Him, and yet, Lord, recognizing that it would have been very difficult for that couple as they carry that child and then He is born. All the questions that would surround that. But, Lord, they chose to not live by their feelings, to not be trapped by fear, but to believe Your Word. And, Lord, I pray that that would be the mark of our lives, 
that we would so love you, that we would so trust you, that even when you call us to things that make no sense to us and that we can't fully grasp, that we would humble ourselves, that we would humble ourselves and live by faith, trusting you for a brighter day. Lord, help us. Help us to look to you and call to you to be made new, to live as new creatures. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.